I was praying and I, I said to the Lord, um, I noticed a trend. He's talking a lot about being led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, today he wanted me to talk to you about waiting on God. And so it seems to be that he's putting an emphasis on intimacy with him. Yeah. Uh, not only what it means, but how, the how to. Because it can seem simple, but if you've not done it or experienced it much in your life, you, it's good for us to teach on it a bit and talk by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So when my husband um, did the Bible school class, um, God gave me inspiration in the car one day when we were driving. We were talking about how the Lord had seemed to come on the scene and interrupt us to let us know there was a piece of the puzzle that we really were severely missing. And it was about waiting on God. And it was about waiting on God in silence. Now, please don't misinterpret. Like if there are waiting times on God where you're praying in tongues and you go quiet. It's not to be regimented and legalistic. But there are times, well, let me put it this way. Up to that point, I had not practiced sitting in the presence of the Lord in silence at all. At all. To me, it would seem not enough. It would seem awkward. It would seem like, why would you sit there in silence when you can be praying in tongues? Why would you do that? Uh, there was also a lack of confidence that in doing so, that this would produce something very deep and something lasting and something huge in our lives spiritually. At least for me, um, I didn't even pause to think on wait, what waiting on God means. Waiting on God for me meant you're praying in the Spirit, you're singing in the Spirit, you're praying in English, um, you know, you're worshiping. All those things to me were waiting on God, and they are. But this was something different. This was about sitting with him and being quiet enough for him to do something in you that's all of him and none of you. And so when I spoke uh, in the car that day, it was because it was inspired utterance. It was prophecy, really, uh, because I had no idea uh, what, I, what I was, I didn't know what I was saying. Do you understand what I mean? I didn't know spiritually what came out of my mouth and rapidly forgot exactly what was said afterward other than I was moved very deeply when it happened. And so my husband captured it. I want to start the sermon this morning with this and that'll set the tone for what I want to get into, okay? So this is what was said. It takes faith to be quiet and understand that you have plenty of time to express yourself before the throne. He gives you an open door, but silence is you exercising your own will to show him the deepest form of love and honor and adoration by closing your mouth so that he can speak. And even if he doesn't, his silence is enough for you. Your silence between each other is a different realm. It's deep. It's a higher realm. It's deep intimacy. It's an honor. It shows deep honor. You say to him, I haven't come with anything, no agenda. You speak, I don't speak. In this time that I've allotted to wait before you, I'm not speaking. It's like laying a rug before him of honor and appreciation and of his majesty. If nothing else, I show you the greatest honor in this moment by shutting my mouth so that if you want to speak, you can. And if you don't, it goes on record that I'm seeking you without my voice, without needs, without asking for anything. 
I'm just here and the highway is quiet for your glory to come, if you should choose to do that today. I've schooled my senses to appreciate you, to think about you, to wait on you, and it takes deep control of my mind. Glory to God. I'm teaching on it so that you can do it with confidence, so that you can know it's been taught or preached from the pulpit, that it will yield the most tremendous results in your life if you participate in this. It's like the fasting. Um, I've got it written in my notes, but let me start with this. When you get a certain uh, way into fasting, your body will ask you repeatedly, is this necessary? Is this necessary? We can pray, we can, like is this, like you, there's a weariness of that morning where you wake up and you think, is this necessary? I love God, I'm studying the word, I'm praying, I've, I've done this for a period of time. Is this necessary? And it's the same thing um, that happens to you when you go and sit quietly before the Lord. Uh, your, your mind will bounce like a bouncing ball and you'll see that 10 minutes have passed, 20 minutes have passed, 30 minutes have passed, and literally it's, it can feel like a wrestling match to get your mind back focused on him to the point where half an hour out you figure you've absolutely wasted your time and his and what's the point and your your heart will question is this necessary is it necessary to sit before God and be quiet and it is so necessary yeah. because it's the deepest intimacy with him and the rewards that come from him and waiting for him to speak uh, we have to know things of that realm that we can't know if we're never quiet. We can get things answered that we know of, that we're praying for. But what about the things we don't know? What about the things we don't even know that they exist or that they're waiting for us? I know there's that thought that says, well, we pray in the spirit for that. Yes, we do. But we also need to wait on God for our life. We need to wait on God quietly until he speaks. And he will speak. He will absolutely come running towards you um, over a period of time. He will answer you. He will begin to show you. But it's, it's a different level. Remember what Pastor said, Pastor Nancy? She said, you know, there's some things that if you don't ask God, he won't, he won't talk to you about them. Why? Because it's not gear one. I would venture to say it's not even gear two or three. It's way down here somewhere where you've actually got to take the interest to have a spirit-led life that comes from the throne where that's all that you want. And that's not the surface gears. It's not the surface gears. is much praying for ourselves, much praying for those we love. Um, all those things are necessary, but they're not the deeper things, even though we need our needs met. But, you know, you can get healed sitting quietly before I'm not saying a word. It's things he wants to get over to us that many times we can't seem to get over to ourselves. And so waiting on God, you know, you were, you were born to know him. You were born to know him. So he's not withholding himself. However, if you've noticed when you begin to seek him, sometimes it seems like he hides himself. It seems like he can hide himself, but God is... God expects something of us in the journey up the mountain to him. The rewards are otherworldly and incredible, but they're not cheap. And he will reward. He'll give you his glory 
if you'll go up the mountain? You've got to want it. And, and part of wanting it is fasting, prayer, and this waiting on God, setting aside time, guarding this time, uh, just like you would an important event in your life where you would put time around it. When we, when we map things out in our life, whether it's studying for a degree or setting up a business, we map time out because we know that when we do, what's forthcoming in the future is so rich that it's worth yeah. this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth the tuition fees. It's worth burning the midnight oil till 2 o'clock. It's worth getting up fatigued. Yeah. I'm serious. It don't, your body screams, but you're reminding yourself of what you're preparing for and what's coming. And waiting on God is like that. When you first go into it, you feel like, like I said before, you feel like, is this necessary? I don't even hear people talking about this. Is this necessary? It's necessary. And you have to keep before you the fact that he's nothing but a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. And many times, like we don't know um, unless until God illuminates us. We don't know how to approach him. We don't know how to begin to live for that other realm. We don't. We only know in part, but when he reveals it, he's nothing but light. He's nothing but revelation and wisdom. And we can get into those places uh, in a very deep way. In a very deep way. So if salvation comes from God and it's his work, then our highest call is to wait on him to do the work that pleases him. Salvation is so vast and the promises are so great that we don't want to live in a level where we can't see the promises fulfilled. We don't want to live sick. We don't want to live troubled. We don't want to live uh, with our families messed up. We don't want to live in poverty. I'm talking about what God considers poverty, not even what we consider poverty. We don't want to live there. But all of this is, will be found, challenged, and changed waiting on God. Waiting on Him. Not in crisis. Oh, Please wait on Him in crisis. You'll need to then. But let's go to Him when there's no crisis. Why don't we schedule time every week to wait on Him? It's the most valuable thing that our humanity can do is to wait on him every single week. To wait on him in silence until he speaks. He will speak. To have him unveil mysteries and to know that nothing we did caused him to speak other than the fact that we wanted him. That we sat with him. Do you know if you'll do that, you won't miss the leadings of the Spirit? You won't miss uh, excitement and I call it surface peace for the deeper things. You won't miss a thing if you'll sit with him. Seasons of your life that don't make sense, you won't miss a thing if you'll wait on him. If you'll wait on him. And knowing that you're supposed to makes it that much easier to go into this season and, and to incorporate it into your life just like you would physical exercise because those things are critical. We laugh about them, but they're not funny. Um, there's things we got to get right or we cut our lives short, you know, and uh, I'm so grateful God is using this fast for my husband and I, for us to get our, our flesh under so that we can be an example to the body of Christ. It's not funny. It's necessary. And uh, the word says if you're given to appetite of any kind, uh, put a knife to your throat because if you don't put that knife there, uh, you'll die young. 
and um, there's seasons of mercy, and then you go into the ground just like everybody else. I'm sorry to sound so blunt. It, it is true, and pastors and ministers, they're no exception. That's, so it is a glorious season, and uh, my husband and I can already feel the change uh, inwardly. Outwardly is awesome. That has to happen, but it's the inward change that we're just like, oh, thank God we're not going back. We don't want to go back. So in the not going back after this fasting, can we not go back to a prayer life or a spiritual walk without waiting on God? Can we just mark today? What is the date? Is it the 21st? 22nd. If it's the 22nd, can we just say that we mark our spiritual calendar today and that we're not allowed to go forward uh, between us and God without taking time at least weekly to spend time waiting on God? It's so important. It's the only way to truly know God, the deepest part of him. Um, all of our difficulties that hold us back from the fullness of our salvation stem from the lack of knowledge and practice of waiting on God. We hear stories that thrill us. We hear about Dad Hagen, you know, in the chair for three days, in the spirit. He was waiting on God. He was waiting on God. Ministries and, and vocations are formed in their perfection, waiting on God. The most spiritual ministers that I've been around that I know lament somewhat the years they spent trying to do it in their own strength. Yeah. That God was so patient with them until they finally recognized that spiritual walk that could get them the answers that they needed and the sure-footedness that they needed. So there's, there's nothing in your life that's failing. Every piece is, is put into such a perfect place. And, uh, you know, we've been... Our culture and, and humanity teaches us what will be, will be, and uh, we all make mistakes. Yes, we do, but we don't have to. Uh, the, the, we don't have to. We have to gain knowledge. And so in our younger years, I would say uh, perfection is probably not possible. But if you stay close to those that are spiritual and those that know and you value that, and when you're taught something like this from the pulpit, you immediately set to work in doing the word. Your life does not have to be a patchwork of mistakes. That's right. It really doesn't. God never intended that. He never intended that. And so he wants you to wait on him. And, don't, and, and just don't move until you have some answers. Don't move. Don't move until you have some answers. Why the rush? Why the rush? He can, God is brilliant at um, being the best slingshot you've ever experienced in your life. And uh, what you call wasted time or what feels hard on the flesh for him can be such a place of putting pieces together so that when it's set, oh, he can fling you so far forward. He can take the person that, that it has no home and, and is late in life and feels like they've never had anything and can give them a home paid off. They can surpass their friends that are still paying out the mortgage. God has, he's got a way. But if we're frantic or we're fearful, we will not wait on him. He has such a way of, of sealing things and in the forgiveness of our mistakes, he will run to you to fix it if you'll wait on him. If you'll wait on him, he'll fix it. Amen. He will. He will fix it. I don't care what it looks like. He will fix it. He will fix the problems. He will fix families. He will fix a lack of finances. He will fix uh, forsaken calls 
that got laid down, he will fix them. I, I read of a minister that was late getting into the ministry. He was actually in his 60s. And he had gotten waylaid by life and uh, just in his 60s, just repented before God and said, my life is empty. Um, you know, I think initially there was hints in the dialogue that I don't know if it was his wife, not complete. He's responsible. But there was a consensus between them that it was never time. It was never the time. It was never the time. And so in his 60s, he fell on his face before God and said, God, if you can do anything with me, if you'll still let me participate, I'm saying yes. And he went on to have a fiery ministry from his early 60s way into his late 80s and just blazed a trail that was so glorious and of the spirit, you know. And so, I mean, even with this mantle that God is uh, putting on this church, um, I do believe I probably will be addressing it maybe in the next, not the next service, but the service after that. But this mantle is amazing. And uh, Amy Simple McPherson's mom was called to the ministry. Yeah, and she got, she got uh, distracted and was forever uh, regretful. But she asked God, she said, God, give me a daughter. Give me a daughter, God. God, give me a daughter that you'll call to the ministry and I'll give her to you. Just like Samuel was given. Give me a daughter, God. Just think about this. Like she hasn't done what she's supposed to do, but she wanted to do it too. It was just that time when women ministers were frowned on and the work of the farm. And I mean, they're Canadians. They're right here. And uh, she asked God, just threw her heart before God. It's said, give me a daughter, God. I'll give her to you. Give her a call to the ministry. And look at this call. It's in the earth. And so, um, you know, you read about Amy Semple's McPherson's life, and I will read it more in detail in the coming services, but um, she lost her first husband in China. They were missionaries there, and it was very traumatic. She came home with a baby. She gets remarried again, and this gentleman has no heart for ministry nor in sending her out, and so she turned away from it. But it was all she could think of, night and day, all she could think of. And she got violently sick. And uh, she got to the point where she was terminal. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, terminal. And there was no hope for her. And, and the doctors, she could hear them rushing around her. Her mom had come to see her. And um, she's fading. And she can hear the nurses and the doctors saying, quick, come quick, she's, she's going, she's going. And she, she actually went into darkness. She's losing the light. And she hears the Lord say to her as she's drawing her last breath, will you go now? And she said her spirit man responded. And she said, yes, I'll go. And she was healed instantly. And she got, that's how close that mantle got to being passed on to another. And then she got up and had to overcome some things to, to get into it. But I say all this to say, we want to wait on God until we are nothing but firebrands for him. Where every joint that we are supplies the body. Till we, everything about us is fire and life of God. We're not stumbling around in darkness. We know exactly where we're supposed to be. And we let God educate us in that joint. And, and to flower and to bud. And, and I dare say this, that in, in knowing the Spirit of God, uh, let Him bring things to that calling that perhaps has not been seen in the earth before. 
in the ministry of helps, maybe things that have not been seen before, in the fivefold ministry, in our vocations out in the earth, things that have not been seen before. But if his power comes on that joint that supplies, it's supposed to be supernatural. And that's what we want. That's what we want. Glory to God. All the church needs for the manifestation of the mighty power of God in the word is to return to absolute unceasing and dependence upon God, quietly in his presence to hear from him. So what makes up waiting on God? It may help us to discover the reasons why this grace is so little cultivated and how we as his church should at any price learn its blessed secrets at any price. The deep need for waiting on God is because within ourselves we have no fountain of life. Not within ourselves. There's no answers in us. There's not. No answers in us. We have no fountain of life in us without God. Only God can communicate to us all that we truly need. We were made to be dependent on Him to receive all the moments of our life out of the fullness of God. No self-sufficiency for us. We're leaning on Him. We're leaning into Him. We're leaning into Him. Remember in John 7 verse 38 it says, He that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's the fountain. That's the fountain that doesn't run dry. That's the supernatural life that we want to tap into. Our redemption began in Him, but it takes Him to develop it in us. We get born again and we have all these precious promises, but it's the spirit that has to lead us into them. He has to lead us into them so that there's fullness because frankly, we don't know how to get there. We don't know how to get there. Have you ever sat in church during the times when we're talking and preaching on tithing and yet you have bills that are still not paid and you have this and you have that, but see the spirit wants to lead you and guide you into the fullness in that area. The promises are yours. You do possess those promises, but you possess them by waiting on Him. You possess them by knowledge of Him. And He will take all the ambition out of you. He will take all the rush out of you. He'll take all the fear, all of it, till you know that you know that you know you cannot uh, lose for winning. That's right. You can't. You can't lose. Not in that place. You can't. Because every step that you take is God-ordained. It's God-breathed. It's, it's God-felt. It feels good to my spirit. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. And there's no fear then. Because as you go, you've built up this life that has nothing but fruit. And all the glory goes to Him. All of it goes to Him for educating us enough that we could partake of that holy, glorious kind of life. Waiting on God for spiritual training is as indispensable as our breathing to our natural man. Don't be Martha. This is a trap. And it has a loud, obnoxious voice. Don't be Martha. Rushing, 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 rushing. Don't be so much a doer that you don't wait on God. Your God can do more. We've heard it said, but it's the truth. He can do more in a moment, in a day, in a week than we can ever erect in years. So let's turn our gaze from just the doing, the doing, and and sit and wait on him and acknowledge our insufficiency. And you know, he gives us his authority, but it's it's his authority. 
And when he puts it on us, we feel like it's ours. Isn't that glorious? We feel because it's been given to us to operate in. But it's, it's his. It's his authority. You know, when we, when we preach about casting out devils, it's through him that you cast out devils. It's through him that you have success. And if you haven't learned like I've learned, I've tried to cast out devils and couldn't do it. When we get up here and we preach into the anointing, we tell you, you cast the devil out. We mean it. But let it be said this, let God lead you into it. Remember Jesus said, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. What was he pointing the finger at? Your consecration, your time with him. Your time with him produces nothing but power. And if you'll come into that place of waiting on him, oh, the devil will leave. And it won't be, you know, you on the floor wrestling for four or five hours. I'm serious. I don't negate. I've done it. I've done it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't run towards spiritual things, but I've learned the hard way, and this is the easy way. This is the way that when Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, who was to cast out a devil in a healing line, um, he, he laid his hands on someone, and Jesus spoke to him, and he said, cast it out. And he said, Lord, I tried to cast it out, and it wouldn't come out. And he said that Jesus' eyes flashed. Do you think God's impatient with us, that he's angry? Why did his eyes flash? Because he was trying to get over to Brother Hagin. You don't understand, son. When I say something, it's concrete. It has to listen to you. And our wavering comes from time not spent with him where our flesh is still so much alive in us that we entertain the ideas and the thoughts of what if it doesn't come out. And that's more real to us than the dominion that has been given. And so his treasure to you, his treat to you is, I didn't tell you you had to do it. I didn't tell you you had to wrestle for four hours with the demon spirit. I didn't tell you you had to constantly overcome thoughts of, can we cast it out? Will it come out? Will it come out? Well, the scriptures say to cast out devils. Yes, but you're let in. You're educated by waiting on God. That's where the dominion is. That's where you contact your spirit man and live out of that place so much that those things become easy. Those things become not only Jesus' eyes flashing when someone is held in oppression, but your, your spirit flashes its dominion because it becomes very, very agitated and upset that someone is sitting in bondage in front of you. When you have the power to cast it out. I know if I were to take a poll today, that there are, uh, we're sitting here, there's lots of us, myself included, where we have tried to cast the devil out of some place of our life, and it still persists, if we're honest, right? But God does not, his promises are true. God doesn't want us living like that. This is your answer. Waiting on God. I've had something that's resisted me for many, many years. I've even told Miss Lorraine and Reverend Taylor about it. It's got to do with a broader scope, but um, I've had it so that it's resisted. Brazen. Brazen in its resistance. Mocking in its resistance to me. And I've had to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know why. I'm, I'm failing in this area. I don't know why I haven't gotten the victory. Your word says, so it's not you. But just two weeks ago during this fast, he said, why don't you take a day? One day where you come and you sit and you wait on me and let me fix it for you. Let me fix it for you. And in our mind, we're thinking, God, 
I'm trying to fix it. Like, where are you? Right? Remember on Wednesday I said, you know, we stumble over the word. Well, it's great that the word says that, but I can't get it. That's stumbling over the word because the word is our healer, our deliverer. It's our sanctification. But he, he showed me a picture and he did say that to me. And he said it so gently. He said, why don't you come so that I can do the work? And what does it mean when I'm in that place? It means that I get sanctified. I get saved. He puts his finger on things and he brings the power to get rid of it. But, but I become aware of my dominion. But not only that, he grows something inside of my spirit man. He gives you the dominion, but now you have to learn how to operate in it. Or it's as if you didn't even have it. It's as if you were not given it. And so every sermon that the Lord seems to be giving me during this time is about knowing him waiting on him, dominion, what occurs in the silence, take great, great, great courage and, and shut up. Isn't that a wild t- title for a sermon? You know, not be- it's in love that I say that. I know my own life. I know my own uh, supplications. I know. But, but there's something so grand that takes place in the soul that bows itself before the almighty God. And says, I'm going to wait on you because I know that you're going to blow this thing wide open. I know you're going to bring the instruction. I know you're going to bring the deliverance. I know you're going to bring the power that I, in my own efforts, I can't bring it. I can't. I've been given something, but it's still his. It's his power. It's his power that we wield. It's his power. We, We don't have the power. But he gives us this power and he wants us skillful in this power. And it's turning away from all the efforts. We do make effort, but don't stay there. Enter into something that is so much deeper than that. The walk of the spirit. Because Christians do not fathom, all of us, their utter poverty and helplessness in relation to God. They can miss the knowledge that should drive them into his presence to wait on him. Salvation brings us to God, but waiting on God is the highest salvation. It ascribes to him the glory of being all. Of being all. It is experiencing that he is all to us. But it's from your spirit, not just your mind. Galatians 49, 18, this is Jacob, and he's prophesying over the sons, and he's saying, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord, and we need to wait on ours. We have needs. We have needs, and I I will be as bold as to say this. I believe the reason the church is not the roaring lion that it should be is because we don't wait on God, and also because we are so absorbed with our own pain and our own weaknesses, that it hits our self-confidence bone. We feel like, I I want to say this and I want to do that, but my infirmities are not only seen by others, they're so known by me. And what we want is to have the power of God consume those things in our life so that there's power in and there's power out. Remember, God said the power is upon us and it flows out of us, it comes upon us for others but it's to be developed within us for ourselves. God is not so much for others that he would ignore you. He does not ignore his child. 
But the miracles for you are to be developed whether anyone else is there to help you at all because you have the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost. And if you're like me when I was younger, and I would think, well, the gifts, you know, they manifest for others, but why not the minister? Why not? Yeah. Why? Why? Because he already established that power within you and you wait on him for it. You wait on him for it. Amen. For those of you that have sickness that has laid siege, let him guide you, let him lead you, but wait on him and don't be afraid to wait on him or acknowledge your own weakness, your own infirmity and being able to receive what we know to be true. We know it, but there's much time that needs to be spent with him. Jacob used these words, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. In regards to the future of his sons and the heritage from which he came, God had promised it and only God could bring it to pass. There's so much in our life that only God is going to be able to bring to pass. There's so many impossibilities. It's not just ministry things and building things. There's so much in our bodies, in our minds, uh, obstruction in the pathway that if God doesn't do it, we're not going to be able to bring it to pass. We're not. We're just not big enough. We're not strong enough. But we hinder God every time we steep ourselves with indifference or by our self-effort so that he cannot do what he would. He wants to mature and perfect us by his spirit. Hallelujah. God only asks of us to yield, to consent, to wait upon him, and he will do it all. To wait on him restores us to our original destiny and greatest nobility. You are, you are, you're a holy priesthood. You're noble in God's eyes. Don't you ever forget that. The fall tried to take that from us, but we're not fallen now. We are God's creation. We are God's people. And there's a nobility to that people where we walk upon the earth that makes others want to have what we have. And if you're not there or you're not showing that in your life, you can. You can. Being with him is the highest call of your life. Adam walked with God, right? In the cool of the day. How much more do we need to walk with God? Every day. With the curse of darkness upon the earth. Waiting on God in entire dependence is a call to the highest, most intimate relationship we can ever have. It's how we will come to really know him. If an army has been sent out to march into an enemy's country and news comes that it is not advancing, the question at once will be asked, why the delay? Often the answer given is, we are waiting for supplies. My goodness, that applies to the Christian walk. If clothing or ammunition hasn't arrived, you wouldn't dare proceed. You're not going to make it. The elements alone will take you out. You're not going to make it. In the spirit realm, you won't make it. But you won't make it without God coming in that fountain of life that we so need. Flowing up, enlightening, educating us, and leading us. So in our Christian life, we need our supplies from above. There is nothing so needful for us than to cultivate the spirit of dependence on God. To gain true confidence in him which refuses to go on without his provision. 
Remember Moses said that? I won't go if you don't, yeah. if you don't go with me. He knew. He knew the difference with and without. Right? Oh, there's so much in the realm of the Spirit. Usually there can be much praying, but very little waiting on God. And I did not know that until God began to put his finger on this part of our life. And I realized that was me. That was me. Motor mouth. Going, going. Time's going, going. And, and then I had to stop and wait. And oh, how uncomfortable it was. Oh, how futile it felt as I opened my eyes and saw five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and ending at about 35 minutes and saying, well, Lord, I don't know if you got anything out of that because I don't think I did. I don't think I got anything, but I'm here. And I want to get something out of this. And I know that if I'm diligent and I come to you, you will, you, you're, you will reward me. Your word says it. And I'm saying that so that you'll know it. You'll know it. You'll hear it said by someone else. And it's the truth. He's telling us the truth. In praying, we are often occupied with ourselves, which is normal, and with our needs and our own efforts in presenting them. You're going up against the wall. You want to present to God. You want to supplicate. You want to present to God. All that's normal part of Christian life. But there's more. There's more. There's so much more. I remember the day the Lord said to me, you know, if you don't bring your list in today, it's still upheld in heaven. Just, yeah, he was setting me free from feeling. See, God gives us revelation. What does the devil do? He tries to add to it. If God gives you spiritual wisdom and revelation, the devil, well, he won't be able to talk you out of that word, but he can add legalism to it. So you know that you're supposed to come in and supplicate and pour out all the details. And so you get, then you get mired in that where you don't realize that if you would just sit and be quiet, that that shows even greater faith. It does. It shows even greater faith to sit before him and say, remember Wednesday night? I trust you, God. I will not be disappointed. I will not be disappointed. And just wait on him and not have to say everything. Because, see, that's self-sufficiency in your prayer life is those lists. Don't leave here today thinking that you shouldn't bring your lists in. My lists are maintained. They are there. George Mueller was known for the lists that he had before God, and he would check them out. Lists are godly. They're holy. They organize what your heart is going after. There's nothing wrong with a list. But you have to transfer over at least a portion of your prayer life where it's just you and him, and he gets to speak. Remember what I said? Now, Andrea, I was praying for you two days ago, and the Lord came up in my spirit, and he said, tell her, to pray much in the Holy Spirit, but also to wait on me because what happens is there's many things that I have for her life. And he said, something will hit her spirit and she'll get excited about it. But then it's almost like there's a blankness that comes. And there's a sense of not knowing exactly how the puzzle pieces go together. And he said, if she will just rest in me, and if she will pray out in the Holy Spirit and wait on me, so those are two different actions. He said, I will emblazon up in her spirit such an answer that she will know exactly what to do. Exactly. And he said, I will put those pieces together for her. He said, so that there is such a confidence and that none of it blazes up and falls. None of it. He said, there, it will blaze up within her and it'll stay there until I add the next piece and the next piece. And so that's the word that he had for you. And, uh, and he's, he's wonderful at putting it together. He really is. 
He really is. We enter his presence and are quiet so that he can be Lord over us, so that he can reveal himself. He can fill us with himself, giving him time in his own way and divine power to come to us. Did you hear what I said? Giving him time in his own way and divine power to come to us. God does seem hidden at times. And you're not going to rush him. You're not going to rush him. But if you, if you, if he becomes like your suitor and you enter into a wooing relationship with him where you've come to find him and you're waiting for him, oh, do you, I'm telling you, this is the walk. This is the walk. This is the deeper. This is what fulfills the soul. This is what fulfills the physical. This is what fulfills the life of the Christian. This is where it comes from. Quietly before God, realize who he is and how he can help us and will help you. Wait upon God as a living being. Focus when you go into his presence and realize just who you're talking to. The one who notices you. (laughs) He notices And he longs to fill you with his salvation. Wait on God until you know you have met him. Prayer will become very, very different. When you are praying, let there be intervals of silence. Reverent stillness of soul in case he has something he wants to speak to you or to teach you or to work in you. You know, the Bible talks about the seven spirits of God. They're all the Holy Spirit. But sometimes he'll come to you and it's in his teaching spirit. He's going to teach you. And sometimes it's a spirit of wisdom and revelation and he just drops something in you. But he's got so many different facets. This is why prayer can never be boring. It's a living, wonderful well of God. And it's so necessary for you to discipline your flesh to get in there. Because if you'll do that, you'll discover the magic of God, dare I say it that way. You'll discover what's been eluding you. You'll discover why the answers didn't come. You'll discover why you weren't able to change things. It's all there in him. It's all there. Waiting on him should be the honor we give him. But your heart cries out in the silence, and I've said this, there must be another way, but there isn't. So let's get about the disciplines of getting down into that place of silence. And I said it before, I'll say it again, put it in your schedule. Put it in your schedule. Don't float through your life. Schedule things. Don't, don't be interested in everything and accomplish nothing. That's not satisfying or fulfilling. Schedule, you schedule everything else. Dentist, doctor, like I said, the gym, work, appointments with colleagues. Schedule him. And then if you get extra time, just jump right in. Right? If you get extra time, that's bonus. But schedule. Schedule this time. And how amazing is it to go, I get up in the morning, right now the Christmas tree's up, and there's, ah, it's just a beautiful glow. And I sit there in the chair, and I've gotten, I've now gotten past the uh, uncomfortable feeling of how do I do this? Because I've been doing it for a while. And to just sit there and know that I don't have to push the right button, I don't have to pull the right lever, 
that he was waiting for me, that he saw me when I woke up, and he saw me that it, that it was enough for him that I'm making the effort, and it's just for him. It's just for him. It's not for anybody else. It's just for him. Sitting before him is an acknowledgement of who he is and his great kingship, and that I've figured out that I can't get it done. It's rest, right? Remember the verse that says labor to enter into that rest? Well, the labor is the, come on, mind. Get focused on God. Stop thinking about buying Christmas presents right now. Amazon is for later. You know what I mean? It's later. Oh, here's Amazon again. (laughs) And again, don't worry about the process. You're learning to meditate in silence before him. And you know what? When you're starting something, you know, you, you can do it for 10 minutes and set your timer. And then maybe after lunch, 10 more minutes. And then supper time. Maybe I can do 15 minutes this evening. Oh, I missed the evening one. That's okay. Tomorrow comes. But this is a skill that your pastors, that the Lord, but your pastors, we're taking the time so that you will know how much you need it. And that you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Because God wants to, uh, he wants to envelop you in himself and he wants to show you many things. But he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. But he can't do that if we're always talking, if we're never in his presence. He can't do it. He can't get it to us, right? But, but I believe we will. That's why it's being taught here. That's why he said, teach on waiting on God. Why? Because you're the recipients and he knew you would listen. He knew that you would hear it. He knew that you would want it, even if it was uncomfortable to your flesh at first. Learn to say of every want and every failure, I have waited too little on God. Now there's freedom in that, not condescension. There's freedom in knowing there's an answer for that. There's an answer for that. There's an answer for that. And thank God we don't sing the song, whatever will be, will be. That's not our song. That's not our song. Our song is victory. Our song is we know what's happening in the secret places. That's our song. Psalm 25, verse 4 to 5 says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Show me. You notice when you got born again, you just didn't automatically know. He's got to show you his ways. Teach me thy paths paths. There's paths for us to walk in. There's paths. Beautiful, awesome paths. We don't have to be hoodwinked anymore. We never take the wrong path again. There's paths for us to follow. Glory to God. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. Teach me, God. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. You'll see it all through the Psalms. Amazing how you can read the Psalms and never see that word. Or take it literally. You know? No taking of it literally. Like, wait. You see it. It sounds like poetry and you, you miss it. On thee do I wait. I wait on you. I wait on you. I wait on you. Some people uh, are worth waiting for. People. How much more? Him. I'm waiting on him. He kind of ruins you in the most wonderful way 
for really needing other things. And it's, it's in the not needing of other things because he so satisfies you that he piles those things on you. That's the thing. It's like Solomon. He could have asked, you understand he's a young king. Everybody wants to rule well. Everybody wants the, the wealth of the nation to go for. Everyone wants to look like success. He didn't ask for that. He, asked, he recognized he was insufficient. We recognize we're insufficient. And in recognizing that, remember God just poured out. I mean, Queen Sheba, the way the half of it was not told me. God just rained down. And if we'll bow before him, he, he just has to bless. He can't withhold. He won't withhold. And this is what you're dealing with when you're trying to sit there in silence. Your mind will fight you and say, it's not enough. I, or I, I got to say these things or they're not going to come to pass. It's all fear. It's all fear. And it's all to intercept you before you uh, get into your spirit and recognize the light it's like, oh, I didn't even know this place existed. Oh, I didn't know I could live here. Oh, I didn't know how real the resources of this place was. Why? Because you've got so many interceptors on the path that are trying to keep you from getting there. And they are, they are devised by the enemy, let me tell you. They're devised by the flesh to keep you out. They're devised to keep you in a flurry where you're constantly chasing your tail. Busy, 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 busy in prayer, busy in life, busy, busy. And you don't see. You can't see. And it happens to every single one of us in different capacities. But that is not the way into total victory, into intimacy with God. The way with God is letting it fall and trusting that you won't be disappointed. We need to wait for instruction, for the right spiritual apprehension of truth and for the right personal application of it. You don't know how to apply personal application of this, these things. You might know some, but you're not going to know everything. You're going to need him to apply it. How many times have we uh, gotten uh, something from God and rushed it? We had this glimpse of something he was showing us. We rushed ahead and we hit ourselves on a brick wall. We thought, well, that's interesting. I do believe it was the Lord. Well, because the personal application of it has to still come from him. It still has to come from him. And we get discouraged instead of recognizing the joy of him beginning to light up the path. You need divine instruction. We are unable to do what is heavenly and holy except as he works it in us. Not only in times of great trial, but in the common course of everyday life, we can count on him to teach us his war, his war, and show us his path. We want definitely to become conscious of our ignorance as to what God's war may be and the need of the divine light shining within us if our way is to be as of the sun. Remember the word says shining more and more unto the perfect day. Now if ever the church... It's always been on the path, but this is the end of the path. Yes. Yes. If ever we need to shine through him, him in us, him shining out of us, we have no shine in us without him. We can't even witness properly without him. You know what I mean? But to shine more and more onto the perfect day. It's this life. 
the life of the spirit. Well, there are times suitable to wait with no request. Now we take it to this. There are things we take into his presence and we know exactly what we're waiting for. Remember I was talking about those things that we can't get the victory over. That's when you take your Monday or for you it might be a Thursday or it might be a Saturday, whatever day it is. It might be Sunday afternoon where that's your time where you go in and sit before the Lord and you lay it on the altar for him and you wait. Because, and you, well, I mean, you tell him, but then you wait. Yeah. You wait and you tell him, Lord, I need you to perfect this. This concerns me. Lord, I need you to do something here because I see disaster on the other side of this. Lord, I need you to help me stand in proximity for this person or I detect that their lives might not end well or might end too soon. There's no limit to what you can bring in to that presence, to that place. You know, we groan in the spirit, but this is the other side of groaning in the spirit. This is the waiting on God. This is where the note of victory affects this place as much as it does with groanings that can't be uttered until you, you feel the victory of God from that place. Oh, glory to God. Sometimes you'll just do it because you want a new place in God. You want a new place in God. You want to hold things in the spirit at a higher level. You need transformation on the inside. It's not so much about outward behaviors, although it will affect that. But it's from the inside, a bigness that we're lacking. You can sense it. Some of us have a lack of bigness about finances. The money is just the, the, the outflow. You sense there's a smallness there. Go and wait on God until he enlarges you. Go and wait on God. It's okay to detect the weaknesses. Remember, we're talking about the insufficiency with which we come to God. And to go in and, and care enough that you're acknowledging your weakness and you're bringing it before the Lord so that he can polish it up, dust it off, make it new. Right? Smith Wigglesworth was known as a man who was given to a vicious temper. Not just a temper, he had a problem with it. And he told one of the people that uh, he knew, he said, uh, for two years he took it, took it to task before the Lord. Because it displeased him. He knew it displeased the Lord. And instead of making excuses for it, he went and sat with God and let God do what only God could do. You know, when you get to a place where your anger is sort of control, that you feel defeated. It's grown to a magnitude now where it seems hard to shut it off. But what did he know? He knew that the presence of God is the cure. It's the cure for any lack of fruit in our life. It's the cure for biases. It's the cure for racism. It's the cure for lack of unity. It's the cure for all of it. It's the cure for carnality. It is. It's sitting with him. He'll rub off on you and then he'll fill you. (laughs) Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And whom are we waiting on? It's so easy to pray and not even look up. We're doing our prayer. We're praying. We're doing. But, but who? Who are we praying to? The awesome one. The lovely one. The good one. We're not praying to an idol or anything we've conceived within ourselves. We're praying to the holy God who sits on his throne. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait thou on the Lord. It's all through the scriptures. 
And once you, this comes alive to you, when, in your Bibles now, when you read, the word wait will stick out to you. Yes. It really will. Wait thou on the Lord. Be strong. That comes after waiting. Yeah. Let your heart take courage. Yea, wait thou on the Lord. Waiting on God is an assurance of an answer to victory, a confident persuasion that it is not in vain. Nothing about it is in vain. Be strong and of good courage is frequently found in connection with some great and difficult enterprise like combat with strong enemies and total inability to overcome in your own strength. The deliverance for which we often have to wait is from enemies from whom we are powerless and impotent. Our blessings, the blessings pleaded before the Lord are things impossible with men, but they are divine realities. And don't let the enemy tell you that they're not either. There's a divine reality for everything that you are believing God for. Nothing shall be impossible to him that takes on the exercise of truly believing God. Nothing. Our souls are so little accustomed to hold fellowship with God. The God on whom we wait often appears to hide himself. We are afraid of waiting the wrong way, that our faith is too feeble, that we are not earnest enough, but that is just flesh and hell coming against us and our quest into spirituality. Don't you listen to it. Don't you listen to that. You sit with God. Start today. Start today. Sit with God and wait on Him. Wait on Him. Let Him crown your life. He wants to crown your life. He wants to crown your life. Make it magnificent. He wants to crown you with supernatural goodness. You can see it on some. Brother Jerry Savell. You can see it. You listen to <coughs> Brother Greer when you listen to what God's done in his life. Pastor Nancy, she's living in Amy Simple McPherson's castle. I'm just saying, you can see such goodness. But there's so much more. So much more. When we set ourselves to wait on God, and I'll finish, I think, with this, we ought to resolve beforehand that God will reward and answer us. It's not an empty exercise. It's not. This will help us overcome when our feelings don't cooperate or we don't have any great blessing from it at first. If it's something in the natural and we're not blessed by something at first, we automatically know. You, have, you can't quit. What do you tell your children? Well, you can't throw everything down. You have to persist. You have to try. You have to try. That's what I tell Caleb. He's doing his piano. And I'm like, honey, on the hard days, just pick a song that you enjoy. Just pick a song that you enjoy, but you keep the motion. Don't quit. We don't quit. I see something on you. Don't quit. Don't quit. And yet I don't want it to become dead works for him. So I try to encourage him because I know what that will give him later. And we want to... We want to go after this. It's so easy to quit spiritual exercises because we don't have institutions and coaches out there telling us, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You hear that your whole life. You're going to get anything worthwhile. You can't quit. You got to put in effort. You got to be diligent. We hear that. But spiritual exercises outweigh them all. They do. They, they keep your kids from dying 
you know, in accidents and, it, and keep you on the right path, fulfilling your call and living past 50 to 70. It means it matters more than anything, these spiritual exercises. So don't quit. Don't quit when you feel fatigued. Don't quit until you hit the gusher. When you hit the gusher, pay attention to what that feels like. When you're rewarded by God, we reward our children, right? We want them to do the right thing because the morality in them dictates this is right and I'm going to do right. But we're not afraid to reward them. We want to reward them. Yeah, we'll buy you the car. We will buy you what we'll buy. If you do that, you're getting this. Oh, it's okay because I get the reward of, you know, what I studied for or what I did. Or The parent is so happy with the discipline of the child or the, even the grown child that there's an automatic response of, I've got to reward that. That is so valuable in my sight that I have to show them in the greatest way possible and reinforce that this is what life is. It's about schooling ourselves and being disciplined so that we can enter into the greatness that life has to offer. But let me redefine life. The greatness that the life of God has to offer. I don't know that anything in this world, it fades. It fades. Yeah, it fades. I don't care how much fame you've got, how much stuff you've got. It makes life easier, but it still fades. Nothing about his life will fade. That's why our inner man, the word says, grows brighter and brighter and brighter until we're with Jesus. So focus on the inner man, especially as we're aging. We're going to need to focus. We age strong. That's what we believe for. But you still change some. You still don't feel like that face in the mirror is the 20-year-old you. But your inner man, your inner man is bright. Your inner man is stronger. That's why if you talk to spiritual people, they'll tell you, yeah, I wish I looked like I did when I was 30, but I wouldn't go back. Not if they're spiritual. They don't want to go back because going back means they go back to the ignorance. And that ignorance is dangerous. That ignorance is where they didn't have the skill. That ignorance is where they weren't able to overcome in that season because they hadn't, they hadn't heard from God in that area. Right? Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a season for us. There's 20 days left to this fast. And here's the good news. When it's over, it don't have to be over. That's the good news. When it's over, you get to incorporate fasting however you see fit. And if I were you, because the word says, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting, the hindrances of the enemy. It's not always minister laying hands on someone in this big display of demonic activity. There's demons that try to show up in our home, show up in our bodies, come against our minds, come against our families. It says, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting, waiting on God. Fasting is a form of waiting on God because you're not just going without food, you're praying. You're praying. And when you're praying, God says, Jesus said, it'll come out. If you fast and pray, it'll come out. So when you leave this season, let the Lord dictate to you what the fasting forward looks like so that it can be the most tremendous blessing to your life so that you know God. It's great that everything else falls in place, but we want to know God. We want to know him. We don't want fatigue setting in where we don't know our God, where we can't do the exploits that he's got, not just for us, but he, he's with us. He moves through us. We get to move with him. That's thrilling that everything we do is partnership and every ground we take 
We take it with him. And every path that we're on, we're not running. Oh, there's the path. And you take off running. No, no, he's with us. He's with us. And then he guides as he goes. And he is glorious. He's glorious. Thank you, Father. Father, I, I worship you, God, for this church. I thank you for every person in these seats, God. I can feel their yes this morning. You must be so pleased, Lord, with that because you are ever aware of us. I thank you, Lord. I pray that you would pour upon them, Lord, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, God, the eyes of their understanding about waiting on you, being enlightened, that they may know the hope of your calling for them, the hope of your personal calling for them, Lord. And then when we collectively gather together, there's nothing but victory. There's nothing but power. There's nothing but divine light and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's where there's an atmosphere set and a charge goes up, Lord, for gifts of the Spirit, for the miracles that we're longing for. But we need the intimacy more than the miracles. And so, Lord, that's what we cultivate. And then we thank you that the outflow of that intimacy, God, is miracles. They pop like popcorn, Lord God, because you, <laughs> there's no blockage. You just flow through us like a river. And you reach out to those, Lord, that are just checking in, <laughs> the unsaved, that don't even know your goodness. But because your saints have labored in prayer, have waited on you, they've got the power to give out to anything and anyone in their proximity. Oh, glory to God. Thank you for those that will be reached, those that will be touched. We're so grateful, Lord, but we're thankful that the burning bush, Lord, lives in us. That's what we're most grateful for. We worship you. We thank you, Jesus. We're called for such a time as this. We are the ones chosen for such a time as this. And we gladly take part and participate in this season, Lord. That's our season. And we know, Lord, we're insufficient and impotent in ourselves. But in you, in you, Lord, in him, we have dominion, we have authority, and we overcome all. And we worship you. We thank you. You're glorious. Thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everyone said, Amen.